Hello, welcome to the conversation. I'm Nina Turner. And then we have an amazing conversation for you today. I am with the one and only amazing Bill McKibben, founder of 350.org. He really set the stage and was a champion, continues to be, what I'm gonna talk about was a champion and making sure that we understood that the climate change, the climate crisis that is looming, not just in our nation, but in the world deserves our attention. And so today we're gonna talk about where we are with dealing with that as a nation. And also let's get into some of the numbers when it comes to the generations. How does the boomers, Gen X, my generation, the millennials and the Zs deal with the climate chaos? Bill, welcome to the conversation. Nino, what a pleasure to get to join you and, and congratulations on this show, it's really great. Thank you so much. I'm so glad to to be here and what an honor to talk to you. I follow you where we follow each other on social media. I follow you with your talks. You have definitely been one of the stalwarts in this environment, excuse the pun, pun intended. But in this environment, I mean, certainly a trailblazer when it comes to really shaking, you know, ringing the bell, shaking, shaking things up to ensure that people who have the power to change policy pay attention to what is happening in our world, in our nation and also in our world. Well, we're at one of those really crucial moments right now. You know, the, the, the fight in Washington, the fight of a, really of the most interesting stuff that's happened in Washington in a very long time. This fight over this reconciliation bill is among other things, the first, if it passes, will be the first serious legislation that the US Congress has ever passed about climate change. The only other time they even came close was in 2009 with the cap and trade bill. And it I didn't remember that in the Senate. And then once it failed, there was nothing for a dozen years. So if we don't get it right this time, we may not ever get another bite at this apple while, you know, while it's still relevant to dealing with this crisis. And definitely, and, and certainly this is an opportunity, hopefully not of a lifetime because we need to go a lot further than even where this bill goes. But it is a great start considering that we have not done anything for a very long time. When when you, what what what's the vibe, what are you feeling? Are you feeling as though we are gonna be able to pull this off and set a foundation to be able to go further next time? I'm feeling a little better than I was a few days ago. The you know with Pramila Jayapal and others standing firm, it looks like they're making a a real go at having a, a, a possibility of passing this bill. But man, oh man, to have the fate of the planet in the hands of Joe Manchin and Kristen Cinema is not the single most comforting thing I've ever <laughs> you've ever heard, I gotta say. Not at all, you are not alone in that and they're recalcitrant. I mean, I, I am stunningly shocked, maybe I should not be at their resistance to what is in this bill and they understand, well, they should understand. I, I, I don't know what they understand because they're not displaying any evidence that they understand much other than their own self-interest. But they should understand the dangers and how crucial it is to ensure that we have this reconciliation, to ensure that not only the physical environment, which we're talking about today, but also their social and political environments that are addressed in this bill 
that they seem to not really care. I think they do understand, I just think they don't care. Well, it's very hard to figure out, especially because it's not as if this piece of legislation is somehow radical or, you know, I mean, it has huge, huge support, and not just among Democrats, among independents, and even a lot of Republicans. When they're told about the Build Back Better bill, say, yeah, obviously, this is what we should be doing. I mean, look, we've spent the last 40 years systematically giving breaks to the richest people in America, time after time after time. This is finally a bill that gives a break to the rest of us, you know, a break from climate crisis, a break from education debt, a break from high health care spending, a way to help take care of our parents as they age on and on and on. And the idea that it's being held up uh, you know, by Democrats, two Democrats is, is distressing. But thank God people are there pushing. You know, I was off with them. Um, Bernie on Labor Day weekend, stumping around in parts of New England, talking about this. And I mean, it really is a vindication of the work that he started by running for president. This is what he started in 2016 to demonstrate that there were a lot of people who thought that way is finally coming to fruition in this bill. So it's gonna be a white knuckle month. It's also really important because if we don't get this passed, then the huge global climate talks that begin November 1st in Glasgow, the most important climate talks since Paris are gonna be a disaster. If we don't pass something, then we're sending John Kerry over there as our envoy naked. And he's gonna have no way to persuade the Chinese or the Indians or anyone else to step up their game if we won't step up ours. That is absolutely right. I mean, we can't actually go over there and be a leader until other people try to persuade them actually to join us if we're not doing it ourselves. And I do firmly believe, and I know you share this belief, that of all the things that we can do together as a world, this is certainly one of the most important things that we can do, which is to tackle the climate chaos, the arrogance of humankind, the impact that we have on the ecosystem that we can come together. Imagine that coming together to do some good instead of just war making. We can definitely do. Yeah, and you know this used to be really hard, Nina, because it was like you know a decade ago, uh, solar power and wind power were expensive. You know, so the transition was well. Now this is the cheapest power on earth. The only sure. thing that's holding us back at this point is the extraordinary vested interest of the fossil fuel industry. They just won't let go of their business plan. And that's why many of us are gonna be out at the end of October outside the banks, Citibank, Chase, that are the big funders of the fossil fuel industry, bringing that message. And it's why they're gonna be a lot of people in New York, in Washington DC next week for this people versus fossil fuels demonstrations, a lot of people risking arrest outside the White House every day, just reminding them that we've got to stop building pipelines. We can't keep doing this kind of stuff because we're in a hole. And when you're in a hole, you know, what's rule number one? Stop, stop digging. digging. Literally yeah. stop digging. Well, there are some fossil fuel giveaways though still. I mean, we do need the Biden administration to go further the subsidies 
to the yep. fossil fuel industry. So I know that we're gonna take these wins and continue to build on them, but I do want people to know that there's so much more work to do. So Bill, speaking of the activities that are going to be happening, how can people get involved? Because sometimes when we talk about climate chaos, climate change, a lot of people, especially those who are in survival mode, people who are working several jobs, people don't know how their ends are gonna meet. We know that COVID, the COVID crisis has changed the environment too. How do, two questions. One, how do people get involved with activities that you just outlined? And two, what would you say to people who feel as though climate, I can't, I can't deal with that. That's not my issue. I'm working every day or I have children to take care of or parents to take care of. I'm just too busy to care about this. <laughs> so both good questions. Um, look, not everybody can quit their life and become an activist, you know. And that's understandable and we don't need everybody to it. We need some people, people who are in a position to do it. Right now, the two groups who maybe are in the best position to do it are young people who are really taking the lead here. I mean, it's been remarkable to watch the Fridays for the Future, the Sunrise Movement, all the young people doing the work and older people, which is why we're starting this new operation, Third Act, thirdact.org, which is for aimed at people 60 and above, the boomers and the silent generation above them. Because, you know, in some ways, climate change is shaping up to be one of our legacies. We're an interesting set of generations. Our first act was actually kind of interesting. We were around to bear witness to or participate in the civil rights movement, the anti-war movement, the women's movement, the first Earth Day, all of that. Maybe the second act, a little tiny bit more focused on consumerism than citizenship, all things being equal. But that's all right. Now people are emerging into their third act with skills and resources and grandkids. And so they're ready to fight on climate, on civil rights, on voter suppression, on all the legacy issues that we cannot go backwards on. And it's been really amazing to watch everybody from Bernie and Jane Fonda and Norman Lear and Greta Thunberg and everybody coming together to say, time for us to, as a generation, do what needs doing. It was Reverend Lennox Yearwood from the Hip Hop Caucus, one of my absolute favorite activists in the whole country, who said, look, no resting on your laurels, older people. Time to bring back some of that spirit from your early years. Absolutely, and this is a generational undertaking and also an undertaking that we can do as a world. Bill McKibben, I wanna thank you so much because you were in this even before it became popular to do so. You have been a steel voice in this climate change movement. And we wanna thank you so much for everything that you have done and the work that you you continue to do. Pleasure to talk. Pleasure was all mine. All right, you guys, nice work. Welcome to the conversation where we have conversations with amazing people about amazing topics. I'm Nina Turner and I am so thrilled about this conversation with one of my dear friends, David Sirota, who's an award winning journalist. But we were in the trenches, I think more importantly, besides his awards. 
and is winning. No, he is a magnificent investigative journalist and has won several awards for that. And I'm so proud of the venture that he started a daily poster of which I am a member. Join, if you are not a member, you must join. Independent media is so important. That's why TYT is important, daily poster is important. And we got a lot of independent journalists in this space doing the daggone thing. He's my friend and we were in the trenches together for the Bernie 2020 campaign. <laughs> David Sirota, how you doing, darling? I'm good, it's great to see you. It is great to see you too. I don't know, maybe we could share some stories that won't get anybody hurt <laughs> before this. We were in the trenches. <laughs> we were in the trenches together, it's been something. Yeah. And and some people may or may not know, but you were on, you've been on the journey with Senator Sanders for a very long time, even before yeah. he, Started to run for president. Yeah, yeah, and I, I worked for him. It was the uh, when I I went to Washington after college, and I worked for him as his press secretary in the late 1990s and early 2000s. And you are a speechwriter, and in, in 2020, and a whole bunch That's of right. other things, advising, and and uh, it was beautiful to be with you on on that team. I'm really proud of what we have built in terms of our friendship. So For sure. really excited to talk to you tonight. I mean, you're doing many things, you know, Jacobin. I mean, you got a lot on your plate, but you had a moment where you have been working on a movie that is going, it's coming out on Netflix called Don't Look Up. And I think it's, it's about an asteroid coming to Earth. And the political types are just treating this like it's just one other thing on their list and not taking it seriously. So there's a, a doctor, a professor that's trying to implore them to do the right thing along with, I think she's a research assistant or something like mm -hmm. that are two of the major characters. Talk to us a little bit about Don't Look Up. Well, I don't want to give too much away, but but that's right. That's in the trailer. Folks can see it. It's going to be on Netflix around the holidays, the Christmas holidays. It's basically the story of two scientists, or really one scientist and 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 their and his research his research grad student, who were trying to warn the world that a comet is headed towards Earth and warn that the world so that we can respond. So there's a message in there about how do we process science in our politics, in our media, in our culture. And so that's really what it's about. Now, some people have seen have seen the trailer and think it's, oh, is this a climate movie, a metaphor for climate change? Others have said, is this a metaphor for the pandemic and how we've dealt with medical science? And in a sense, Sure, it's it's all of those things, but it really is about how do we as a society process facts? Or really can we process facts? Can we agree on basic facts, respond to basic facts, stipulate that they are facts so that we can come up with solutions and policies to get us to good outcomes? That's the big question in, in this movie. And I'm not gonna give away what happens in the movie, but I will say it's a hilarious movie. It's a super entertaining movie, but it's also an important movie, I think, for to really explore those larger topics. In a sense, it's really about kind of everything. 
Uh, and it's really great that uh, Adam McKay, the director, uh, has put together such an, an amazing script. Uh, he put together an amazing cast. I mean, Leonardo DiCaprio, Jennifer Lawrence, Jonah Hill, uh, Meryl Streep. I mean, it's it's an incredible, incredible cast. And I'm I'm really Tyler excited. Perry, that Tyler Perry's in it. He's he's amazing yeah. in it. Kate Blanchett. I mean, it's a really great cast. And you know, I I helped construct the story. With McKay, uh, the the sort of larger story. He wrote the script and directed it, uh, and I helped co-produce it. And I'm just really excited for everyone to see it. You should be. I mean, just that one trailer. There's something in there for everybody. Yes. However they want to frame it, it fits. So I'm yes. I am excited. I know you definitely piqued my interest just uh, from the trailer. So talking about don't look up. You know what what. You let's. I want to go back to the Daily Poster. You did this post, Bernie twenty twenty. What motivates you to continue to stay in the independent journalism space, and why is it important to have independent media? That's a really great question, and I think the actually the reconciliation bill conversation that's happening right now in in the country actually underscores why independent media is so important. Right now. I assume people have been following the news. There's a giant bill to deal with things like the housing crisis, the climate crisis, the healthcare crisis, the larger economic crisis, a huge bill that's being proposed. It started out as a $6 trillion proposal. It's moved down to now $3.5 trillion. This is the proposal being spearheaded by Bernie Sanders. And if you follow the media coverage of it, at most you've probably heard about some big price tag. You probably haven't heard about the specifics in the bill. And you've heard that the battle over this bill is a battle in theory between different politicians who disagree ideologically on things. But what you haven't heard is the money behind the politicians. You haven't really heard very much about the corporate lobbying against the bill. You haven't heard about which industries are funding which politicians and how that overlaps with the happens to be the particular politicians who are opposing this bill. So the point is, is that corporate media has been telling a story about this bill that is at best superficial. And in many cases, misleading. It's misleading in that the biggest factor in the story, money, campaign money, dark money groups, funding ads, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, that's just been written out of the corporate media story about this enormously consequential piece of legislation. It has not been written out of the story in independent media. The Daily Poster has been following the money every single day on this bill to tell the story of, for instance, the members of Congress who have opposed the prescription drug provisions in this bill and how they've gotten a huge amount of pharmaceutical money. How the the one House member who's leading the battle against this bill in the House is the number one recipient of money from private equity moguls on Wall Street and how private equity moguls don't want the tax provisions of this bill. I could go on and on, but you get the point that without independent media, 
non-corporate independent media. That story, which is really the story, does not get told. But it is being told and we know that it's having an impact. We at the Daily Poster, the American Prospect, The Intercept did a whip count on this bill to try to hold members of Congress accountable on who's gonna vote for it, who's gonna vote against it. And that has had a real impact, so that is a small, not really small, it's a huge bill, but it's important. an immediate example of yeah. why independent media is so important and why I do the work I do. And we need people to support independent media. Certainly we at TYT understand that, you understand that it is vitally important. And you know, you have been working to awaken the sleeping giants to make people aware. The Daily Poster, you really break down complicated issues so that people can really understand and also relate. And it is important for them to know whose side these politicians who've been elected supposedly to do the bidding of the people of their state, whose side they are really on. And I know that two in particular come to mind, and that's two senators, Senator Joe Manchin and also Senator Kristen, Kristen Sinema have been you know, the, the biggest, they are certainly not the only ones, but they are the biggest ones and the, the biggest beneficiaries of that, that money that you're talking about. And it's always important to, to follow the money. It is legal in the United States of America to buy off politicians. And we're seeing it happen in real time based on what these politicians are standing for and or standing against David, which leads me to my next question. Given this and the fury that is going on and the and just the, the sheer impact, the way that it, it, it always seems like big money and dark money wins, what 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 words of wisdom or advice do you give people in the progressive movement like us who can find it daunting at times and sometimes just want to throw up our hands and say, it doesn't matter that we do this work. We want to give well, up. There's, there's two things. I mean, one, I stipulate the uh, the criticism of the of the two party duopoly. It is real. It is a problem. Uh, there's corruption in both parties. But for instance, climate change is a good example. It is a ticking time bomb. Uh, and this bill that's in Congress right now uh, shows us that there's a once in a generation potentially chance to pass a piece of legislation like this. And that our voices need to be heard and these politicians need to be held accountable. Even understanding that the game is rigged, even understanding that the duopoly is corrupt. So that means that people need to be in, first and foremost in touch with their members of Congress. We had a member of Congress on, on the Daily Poster's live chat who said, listen, when I hear from my constituents in a real way, it it, it is important, it, it affects me. So that's my urge to everybody. Make sure you're in touch with your member of Congress. Absolutely, and that person was rep, the one and only representative Ro Khanna from the great state of, of California. If you are a member of the Daily Poster, you'll be able to see little treats like that. You know, Sirota, just hearing you say, you know, just reminding people that even though it seems daunting, we got to keep pushing. There's certain issues that we cannot afford to send on the sidelines. It certainly reminds me of a quote from the great novelist, one of the great novelists of the 20, 20th century, James Baldwin. And I think he says something like, not everything that is faced can be changed, but nothing can be changed until it is faced. I want to thank you, David Sirota, for being somebody that is willing to face and stare down and fight for the change in the type of nation and world that we all deserve 
to live in, the award-winning journalist, the one and only David Sirota. Please check out his Don't Look Up on Netflix coming out in during Christmas time and check them out on all the social media. David, you wanna share your social media platforms? Sure, you can find me on Twitter at David Sirota. You can find the Daily Poster at dailyposter.com. And thank you so much for having me and thank you for being who you are. Not just one of my friends, but also somebody who has fought and continues to fight the good fight even when it's difficult. I really appreciate it. Thank you, I appreciate you as well. Thank you.